0: Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, any discussion about the world's decarbonisation efforts today has to take in a discussion about hydrogen. It is seen as a big part of the fight against climate change and we've seen governments around the world declaring they want to become hydrogen-fuelled economies. But if you like Garen Perro and you're hearing all the chatter about hydrogen but don't really understand what it all means, you'll be happy to know that today's guest, Charles Whitfield, will be bringing us up to speed on this big and important energy thematic. Now, Charles is chairman of Hexagon Energy Minerals. It trades under the code HXG, or Hotel X-Ray Golf. It last traded at 10.5 cents for a market cap of $41 million. That's if we base it on issued capital expanded by the acquisition of the privately held Ebony Energy, which is underway ebony brings with it the puderka basin quote-unquote blue hydrogen project about 220 kilometers southeast of alice springs in the northern territory the basin is home to major coal resources which will underpin the hexagon ebony project aha you say coal Gara and perot will just say hydrogen produced via fossil fuels which have a carbon capture solution are termed blue hydrogen and at this stage they stand as the most commercially likely large-scale hydrogen projects that the world seems to be crying out for. I'll also note that while Hexagon is also, is known for legacy interests in WA metals exploration and US graphite, its acquisition of ebony, which is now being wrapped up, has caused a bit of a buzz in the stock. It is, its share price has pretty much doubled in recent months. Now, with that, I'm going to stop there and welcome Charles to the podcast. Hi, Charles, and thanks for your time today.
1: Hi, thanks very much, Barry.
0: Now, Charles, I kind of gave a feel there that not everyone knows about uh, this big uh, emerging thematic around hydrogen. So I was wondering if we could start out perhaps with a bit of a background on why the world is focusing on hydrogen as a major decarbonisation tool.
1: Thanks, Barry. Um, Well, as he pointed out, there's very much a focus on decarbonisation because of uh, concerns about climate change and global warming. And uh, carbon dioxide is obviously a major contributor to that. So any source of energy or raw material which helps to reduce the amount of emissions of CO2 into the atmosphere is a focus for governments at the moment. Obviously, over the last Five or six years, there's been a focus on the electrification of transport, electric vehicles, and and so on. And that's one means of decarbonization. The thing about hydrogen is it's a lot more universal in terms of its application. So it's not just about an energy source for transport, it's also for industry, for heating, um, for electrical generation, and so on and so forth. So they see it as a much more universal solution for decarbonisation
0: Right. okay now uh, i think it'll also be good if we could uh, have a lesson in um, why we have hydrogen projects to, uh, uh, dubbed in colors they come in brown blue like poderka and <laughs> green so give us a rundown on each i guess and more specifically why blue like poderka is the way to go you think
1: yeah, thanks. Uh, there's a bit of a rainbow of hydrogen out there, as you say. <laughs> so traditionally, hydrogen has been produced as either what's called brown or grey hydrogen. And essentially, what that means is that you use hydrocarbons for producing it, namely oil, gas or coal. And essentially, you're stripping the hydrogen from the uh, hydrocarbon, um, and you have steam in the process as well, so you end up with hydrogen and carbon dioxide. Uh, That's obviously what you're trying to avoid emitting into the atmosphere, so uh, the question is, how do you deal with that? The area of hydrogen production which has been getting an awful lot of press is called green hydrogen, which essentially is using a process called electrolysis, which essentially strips water into its constituent parts of hydrogen and oxygen to do that you need an awful lot of energy and obviously if you want to be truly um, carbon neutral then you have to make sure that that energy is produced in a renewable way so the challenge has been trying to scale those projects and make them cost effective uh, to produce green hydrogen the middle ground if you will is called blue hydrogen, as you alluded to. And essentially, that's using a traditional approach from the perspective that you're using hydrocarbons to produce the the hydrogen. The difference is that you capture all of the carbon dioxide as part of the process. Essentially, this is an industrial process. It's all done in a closed system, and you get a fairly clean stream of hydrogen and a clean stream of CO2 coming out of that process. You then once you've captured that CO2, sequester it into the ground, which essentially means that you're pumping it back down an oil well or into a gas field, and you permanently store it underground. And so none of it is emitted to the atmosphere. So from a CO2 footprint point of view, green and blue hydrogen are exactly the same, and that's why governments are agnostic between those two technologies. What blue does give you is much large, larger-scale plants and also much cheaper production of hydrogen. And I think if you look at the roadmaps that Japan and Korea and the European Union have produced, they see blue hydrogen as an essential part of the uh, puzzle to get people to adopt hydrogen because only blue can actually produce the cost and volumes which are going to be required to get people to transition to hydrogen from their traditional energy sources.
0: Hmm, okay now uh, um, the acquisition of ebony delivers the Parka uh, project. What are the attributes of that project that uh, makes you think it uh, will stand up as a hydrogen project?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question so um, I guess the first people uh, first thing people say is okay we are producing hydrogen from coal there's lots of coal everywhere. why doesn't everybody do this and really the secret is not the Uh, resource of, of coal, it's actually the ability to sequester. So we're quite near the Cooper and Amadeus basins, which are old oil and gas fields, and actually make up more than half the potential CO2 storage capacity in Australia. So we really have a CO2 solution on our doorstep. There are a few other companies in Australia who have mooted the idea of doing a blue hydrogen project based on coal, but they don't have a CO2 solution because they're not proximate to those um, what we call senile oil and gas wells. And that's really critical to be able to pass muster as a true blue hydrogen. It's not about carbon offsets. It's not about tree planting. It's about capturing 100% of your CO2 and making sure that it goes into the ground and none of it goes into the atmosphere.
0: Right. So the I mentioned uh, coals underpinning the project. What, what can you tell us about the coal resources in the Budurka?
1: Well, we still have to finalise a, a jork number, and that's part of our... Uh, feasibility study that we're about to undertake. So we have a, a drill program there. Previously, Central Petroleum have done an awful lot of work in the area, um, and they have identified um, huge uh, uh, targets in terms of uh, resource base, uh, going into the hundreds of millions of tons. Uh, but like I say, we obviously are focused on making that into a, a jaw number so that we can provide a bit more clarity to the market about just how much. Reserve we have.
0: Mm. So that uh, central petroleum work, was that for conventional uh, oil and gas or was it more a coal seam gas sort of focus?
1: It was more a coal seam gas focus. So they did both drilling and an awful lot of seismic work in the area uh, to identify what was underground.
0: Mm. And from the reading I've done, it seems that you're not actually um, contemplating a, you know, an open coal mine or an underground coal mine. You, you're uh, thinking of returning the, uh, the coal to the surface via, uh, uh, what, what, what would we call it, uh, pumping it back up, is it?
1: Well, there are a couple of alternatives that we're looking at. The base case is to do a, a mini wall, which is fairly conventional, um, and probably the, the easiest to, to understand. There's also a technology which is being used in the States at the moment, which is essentially drilling for coal, if you want. It's, it's using the same technology that oil producers use in terms of horizontal drilling uh, but essentially much larger diameter auger that you're using to be able to extract coal so that has less surface impact um, and a lower capex uh, component associated with it so it's something that we're going to investigate during the pre-feasibility study
0: right. so as you said you'll be drilling to uh firm up the resource Oops. What would you have on the surface? So this process, the actual uh, hydrogen process will take place on the surface, obviously, in a plant. What's the scale of plant? uh, Is it standard equipment? Is it standard technology?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. There aren't any gasification plants in Australia currently, but it's a very, very uh, well-established technology on a global basis. Um, I mean, there are around 200 or so plants uh, this type in, in Asia-Pacific as it is, uh, there are lots in North America and Africa and so on and so forth. We're looking to work with a uh, world-class provider of this technology um, and actually it's, it's an interesting business model. Essentially, they would build, own and operate the actual gasifier themselves. So we would provide the feedstock into the process we would get the hydrogen out of the process and essentially pay them a tolling fee. So that has a number of advantages. Obviously, we're working with somebody who's very experienced at doing this. It also means that we're not responsible for the actual capex of building the plant itself. So uh, it's something which we are very excited about. as a very fast route uh, with low risk to market.
0: Mm. And just on that uh access to markets, You obviously there's infrastructure in that part of the world, or existing oil and gas infrastructure in that part of the world that will assist in getting to market.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point and that was again one of the uh, attractive components of the location. Um, even though it seems remote because it's in the centre of, of Australia, uh, there is actually a lot of oil and gas uh, infrastructure nearby. Obviously the Moomba Hub is one of the Uh, largest uh, network points for the entire country, feeding the eastern seaboard. Uh, But there's also talk of a link between the Amadeus Basin and Hub, which goes essentially straight past the project. In terms of our product to market, one of the alternatives is actually to produce ammonia, which is NH3. So essentially you have a nitrogen atom stuck onto three hydrogen atoms. The advantage of that is it gives you hydrogen in a solid form, which makes it very easy to transport. The other interesting thing about ammonia is that if you look at the Japanese plan for decarbonization, they're actually looking at co-firing their coal-fired power stations with ammonia as a very quick way to reduce their carbon footprint. So if they use a 20% mix in their existing coal-fired infrastructure, that would actually double the global demand for ammonia currently. So that's a huge potential market. It makes it very easy for us to transport rail straight up to Darwin from where we are, and that would be uh, an access market that that we think is very appealing.
0: Mm, Okay. And just uh, circling back on the actual uh, acquisition of Ebony, so they have secured a tenant position that's ahead of confirming a resource. Makes you think that uh, on the coal side of the uh, equation, you, you're you're fixed. Now it's all mainly about getting on with the PFS.
1: Yeah, we're we're very comfortable on the resource side, but obviously we need to tick that box with the, the job process. The PFS we are looking to complete by the end of the year, and uh, the uh, collaboration with our technical partner, I think, is going to help to accelerate that. And, uh, I can't say that they've got a plug and play solution, but it's the next best thing. Obviously, you have to do some tweaking, uh, given location and feedstocks and so on and so forth. But we've already tested our coal with them, uh, to make sure that it fits the right uh, caliber. So that's, uh, that's a tick in the box already. Um, and, uh, then, yes, it's uh, a question of making sure that we have the details in terms of all the other components of the the process as part of that PFS.
0: Mm. I know it's difficult under the stock exchange uh, uh, ban on these things nowadays, but uh, are you able to, at this stage, to give us any sense of scale in terms of production or likely production, uh, timelines?
1: Sure. So... um, the target production uh, for the plant for what we are calling phase one would be 300,000 tons of hydrogen per annum, or if we convert that into ammonia, it would be about 1.7 million tons of ammonia. So that's a meaningful size, but also mm. easily digestible into the current market. So, given the pro- growth projections of the the market, you would need about Uh, between three and five of those projects to come online per year to satisfy what's the projected demand. So it might well just be the start of the uh, overall scale of the process.
0: Okay. And just to give people a feel for what that might mean in uh, revenue terms, looking at ammonia, the chemical carrier, as it were, for hydrogen, what's that sell for a tonne?
1: Um, It sells for... Well, it varies, but between $300 and $500 uh, a tonne, uh, but we're using the, the lower end of that as our uh, our target.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, um, just looking at the other assets, um, East Kimberley, um, graphite, gold, other base metals in Alabama. Graphite, what's the the story with those assets now?
1: so those are still good assets and we are looking for ways to progress those um over the the coming years um we've been in conversation with a number of different parties who have expressed interest in collaborating on those uh, to be able to take things forward um especially you know the us for example there's still very much a focus on creating domestic supply over there so it's something which will obviously uh, work on and make announcements as well
0: and when we can. Mm. Is there any drilling planned for 2021 at those projects?
1: Yeah, there is still uh, work uh, to be done, both at McIntosh and also at Horse Creek. Uh, so, yes, the, there's ongoing work there.
0: Mm. Now, I guess when you've got a, an exciting project like this uh, Padurka one, a challenge for the market is how to value the stock ahead of the PFS release. Um Obviously, you've got the mineral assets there, which had a value before the acquisition yep. of Ebony. How how should investors think about? The, are there look-alike um, valuation, see-through valuations in other companies that might help?
1: It's it's an interesting one in the hydrogen space at the moment because there are some. Crazy valuations out there, um, and, and we certainly don't feel like we've uh, started to, to to move yet. Um, obviously, as the PFS emerges and uh, things uh, become de-risked, then I think the the valuation will uh, will lift towards what the expected you know DCF valuation would be, or theoretical value would be. In the meantime. I think the partnerships that we're going to sign up will give you a pretty high degree of confidence in terms of just how highly regarded this project is in the industry. And so that should give people confidence. Um, as you say, uh, given the constraints of uh, the fact that we're in the public domain, uh, we feel uh, pretty um, cornered in terms of how much we can say about uh, our, our future revenue expectations. But uh, we think that this is a project which will have certainly regional scale and regional importance and is many multiples of uh, the potential in the graphite market, just because it's such a uh, a large and growing industry and the opportunities that lie there.
0: Mm. Now, um with the Ebony acquisition, uh, are you also acquiring the you know the IP and, and the people to make the project happen?
1: Yeah, so uh, we will uh, announce those. Uh points over the, the coming weeks. But yes, the, the team that Ebony had put together is, is very strong, has got a perfect background in terms of developing a hydrogen project and they're going to be key members of Hexagon going forward. So yes, we'll, we'll make announcements about that and we're, we're very excited about having those members as part of the team.
0: Okay, all right. So just bringing it all together, Charles, uh, what should investors look out for in coming months?
1: So there are a number of different data points. We're going to be very busy over the uh, months to the end of the year. So first and foremost, an announcement around a technical partner, um, announcements around our conversations in both the public sector and private sector with uh, stakeholders and potential uh, partners on things like logistics and so on and so forth. We're looking to put in place MOUs and uh, more information about potential sales and offtake. Uh, obviously, there's the drill results. We're looking to start the drill program in June and I guess have a JORC number out uh, within a couple months after that. Um, and then as we come towards the end of the year, the pre-feasibility should be finished off and that should give us a lot more uh, comfort around putting specific numbers to the value of the project.
0: Mm, okay, Well, there we go, folks. Very uh, interesting project in the, the very heart of Australia, uh, emerging as uh, perhaps part of the decarbonisation efforts of uh, not only Australia, but the world. Um potentially a major new export industry to pick up the slack that's going to come from uh, coal I guess over time so with that Charles thanks for your time today thanks for uh, being patient with us there on some of those questions around just what is hydrogen and the different colors it comes in but uh, we'll be watching with interest as it progresses so thanks again for your time today
1: thank you Barry I've uh, enjoyed it and I hope it's been useful to some of your listeners thank you very much